Our scripture this morning comes from Genesis chapter 28, starting with verse 10. Hear the word of God from Genesis chapter 28. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went to Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants will the whole families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. He called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat, and garments to wear. And I return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. Now, I have a confession to make. I love my pillow. I always take it with me wherever I go, whether it be to a hotel or when I go out of town and visit friends. Regardless of the situation, I take my pillow with me. Even I even take my pillow with me when I go to visit my parents at their house. You see, Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's just nothing like your pillow. You know, the one that's formed in just the right places to your head and the position you like to sleep in. It's worn in just the right places. There's just something about having a nice, soft pillow that helps me to sleep better. In fact, I'll never forget the first time my husband Justin and I went camping together after we were married. 
We began to prepare for our camping trip and gather the needed supplies. And he began bringing down the boxes labeled camping from the attic and gather the sleeping bags and the little headlamps. And he asked me as we began to prepare, have you seen the camping pillow? And I looked at him a bit confused and I I asked him, well, I'm not sure what you're referring to. Um, can Can you clarify a little bit more? And well, at that moment, he found triumphantly what he was looking for and he pulls it out of the box and he says, here it is. And it was a little container about this big, about the size of my hand. And I looked at him, I said, that's a little bit of a small pillow. He said, oh, no, 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 let me show you. It it expands. And so he pulls it out of the little container bag. And yes, it did expand some, but even then it expanded to maybe from the width of my fingertip to my elbow. It was still the smallest, flattest pillow I think I had ever seen. I very quickly realized that while I had been camping many times in my life before this, my husband and I had very different ideas of what camping entailed. I was used to camping in a campground where you have a little spigot with running water and, you know, restroom facilities, and you park your car right next to your little campsite. My husband had grown up with camping being more in the form of backpacking, where you took everything you needed on your back and you carried it in and trekked to wherever you were going to set up camp for the night. And we chuckled along the way as we began to realize that our ideas of camping were just a bit different. I told him that that little camp pillow was not quite what I had in mind for a pillow. I assured him that um, I was going to need a real pillow. See, for me, some of the essential elements of what makes a good pillow is something that's long and soft. It forms and supports the head gently, you know, into the perfect, comfortable position for sleep. And the ultimate criteria for what makes a good pillow is actually discovered the next morning when I can determine, did I sleep well? Was that pillow irritating or did it actually help me to sleep better? But regardless of what the criteria for a good pillow looks like, I would say my ideas of a pillow look a little bit different from our friend Jacob in our scripture passage in Genesis this morning. You see, when I think of a good pillow, in no way do I think of a stone. What do you think of when you think of a stone? What comes to my mind is something that's rough, jagged, unyielding, hard. You see, don't get me wrong, a a stone is you know, not necessarily a bad thing. Stones are used as foundations for buildings. Stones can be used to win battles, such as the battle fought between David and the giant Goliath, where David took a stone and killed Goliath with that hard stone, winning the battle. Sometimes the hardness of a stone can be a useful characteristic. 
Sometimes that hardness is needed to accomplish a specific purpose. And yet, for most of us, we do not think that the best use for a stone is that of a pillow. But Jacob was in just such a hard place in his life that night that when he looked around and grabbed a stone, he used it for a pillow. How did he get to this place? A little backstory here is that Jacob was a man on an unexpected journey. See, he had a twin brother named Esau. Esau, even though a twin, was technically the firstborn, which in those days meant everything in a family, as it does still in some families today. It meant that Jacob would always get the seconds of everything. He would get the leftovers. After many years of living as the second-born, Jacob was just tired of it. Jacob deceived his twin brother Esau. First, through dubious means, Jacob had Esau give away, or some would say even still, his birthright. You see, Esau, as the firstborn, he had a birthright, which was in those days the inheritance given typically to the firstborn son as the future leader of the family. And then Jacob went on to deceive his brother Esau and his father Isaac with the help of his mother Rebekah. Through this time of deceit, Jacob literally stole his firstborn brother Esau's blessing from his father. His brother was furious. It became evident quickly that Esau was just waiting for their father Isaac to die before he could get his revenge on his brother Jacob for his deceit. Esau wanted to kill his brother Jacob. And so thus, upon the advice of his parents, Jacob set out on this journey, a journey that was twofold in nature. He was journeying to go and find himself a wife, and he was also on the run from his brother Esau for his very life. The trip ahead of Jacob was a formidable one from Beersheba to Haran is a distance of a couple hundred miles, so it was not a short trip that he was undertaking. He was in a hard place, such a hard place that a stone was the softest thing in his life that he had in that moment to lay his head upon. Jacob was in a place of transition along his journey. It was getting dark, and as he began to realize that he couldn't go any further, he had to lay down and rest. Have you ever been in such a hard place before? Perhaps you find yourself in such a place now. Perhaps you're experiencing the pain of grief, the death of a loved one, and each morning as you awake, you wonder how you will face this day without that person in your life. Or perhaps you're in the rough spot of life of it not turning out as you had expected. 
This time of pandemic has definitely not been what I expected this year to look like in life. Or perhaps you're experiencing the hard place of unemployment. In this time of COVID, unemployment is on the rise, and you may be without a job, or perhaps you and your job, you've been furloughed, and you're struggling to make ends meet and to pay the bills. Or maybe you're experiencing the jagged, hard place of being lonely, tired of being quarantined alone, unable to interact as you used to, missing your family and your friends, longing to be able to just give someone a hug, but because of social distancing, you've not experienced touch of any kind in months. Perhaps you're in the hard transitional place in your life of beginning a new school year or being about to enter into a time at college, unsure of what it's going to look like right now during this time of global pandemic. Perhaps you're in the painful place of caring for an elderly parent or a loved one, and in the midst of this pandemic, you've been unable to visit them in a nursing home to care for them face-to-face and to see them. Or perhaps you're facing the difficulty of personal disease and struggle and illness of struggles physically in your life. Perhaps the treatments are hard enough with the side effects that you begin to wonder if the solution is worth all of the pain that you are facing each and every day. Maybe you feel like no one fully gets exactly how hard it's been for you lately. These are just some of the places in our life that we experience as hard places. In the midst of these tumultuous times, there comes a point in our journey where all we can do is seek to find rest. Jacob was in a hard place due to deceiving his father, and his brother. We too can be in hard places sometimes, sometimes due to actions and choices of our own making, but sometimes we're in hard places not due to any actions or choices of our own. It's simply the place we find ourselves in that day. The hope that we find in Scripture today is that in the hard transitional place of Jacob's life is where he encounters God. God often comes in ways we don't expect, ways that surprise us. Think of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God coming to earth in human form, Emmanuel, God with us. In the midst of our sin and our hardness of heart, God came to us to offer us redemption and hope, grace overflowing. God's grace is God's unmerited favor. We don't have to do anything to earn or to deserve it. God offers it to us through Christ to receive. In our scripture today, Jacob was in a desolate place laying his head on a stone for a pillow. Now, if that isn't roughing it, I don't know what is. God meets him there 
in a dream. And in this dream, there is a ladder that wasn't just in heaven, but it was also here, literally on the rock bottom. And in this place, God extends to Jacob some promises. God promises Jacob land, that one day you will return to this very spot and this land will be yours, not just yours, but your descendants. This is a promise of security. You will not always be on the run like you are today, but one day you will reside here. And then there was this promise of descendants, this promise before he had even found a wife. This promise includes in it an assurance to Jacob that he will be successful in his quest to find a wife, and it's also the picture of future fruitfulness. The presence of God with him is the third promise that is made to Jacob by God in this moment. The promise that he is not alone, that God is with him now and will be with him wherever he goes. I don't know about you, but when I'm in the midst of hard places in this life, this is exactly what I need. The promises of God reminding me that I am not alone, and that most importantly, God is with me. Emmanuel, in the midst of the difficulty I am facing. So what are the promises of God to us when we are facing difficult times in our lives? Where can we see God in the midst of the fog of the struggle we're in? What are some of the promises of God that we see in Scripture? Jesus calls to us in the midst of our hard places in Matthew eleven twenty eight, saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in Psalm 9, verse 10, it says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And God speaks to Jacob here in Genesis chapter 28, 15. What's more, I will be with you and protect you wherever you go. The hardest places in our lives can be transformed into places of encounter with God. Places where we learn to trust God and his promises in deeper ways. Places where our faith grows beyond what we've ever known in the past. Places where when we wake up, we too, like Jacob, say, Surely God is in this place, and I knew it not. How does Jacob respond to this revelation of God's presence with him in the midst of the hard place he is in? He responds in worship. He takes the very representation of the hardness he is facing, the stone, and offers it to God by anointing it with oil and setting it up as a pillar to remind him of how God met him there in that hard place, how God transformed this hard place into a place of rest and revelation. Thanks be to God. Amen.